I'm Nicholas. I'm so excited to be here. Can I get your name again? Uh, my name's Alex. Nice to meet you, Alex. <laughs> uh, my brother's actually named Alex. That's oh, no way. Yeah, yeah. Um, today, we're going to be talking about art as cognition. Cool. So I'm going to start off by throwing the work to you. And I'm going to ask you, when I say the words art as cognition, mm-hmm. what do you think? Of? Like, what's the first thing that comes to What's your reaction? Art as cognition. Um... Well, I guess there's like two ways you could kind of look at it, right? Like art is a way in which we express what we're thinking and our cognition, or you could look at it the opposite way, like that our cognition is a form of art. Mm. So mm. I like both of those. I, I like both of those too. <laughs> cool. We haven't really gotten the last one today. So, really? Yeah. So I kind of mm. want to start with that. What do you mean okay. by saying that cognition is like a form of art? So like, I just really have met amazing people in my life and I love one of them being right over there <laughs> and, <laughs> and I really Jeez. love like hearing how people think and um, asking people why it is the way they think or where they came from and I think it's interesting to see it as like a tapestry or like a canvas mm. and then you like paint the different colors and like cool. each thought is a different stroke and you're like adding to your canvas wow. there's a really amazing um, musical that I love, Sunday in the Park with George, I love right? Yeah, it's yeah. freaking amazing. amazing. And it, he sings the song um, like about uh, Sunday in the Park, right? And he's like, Sunday, but like that whole. <laughs> and he, at the end, he goes like, white, a blank, can- a blank canvas, yeah. you know, like all the possibilities in the whole world. Like, it just, I love that idea. Mm. Like, I love. People always ask me why I don't have art on my walls. And I'm like, because I'm like, I am the artist. I, I know. I'm like, no, I just love the idea of like, like fresh space, you know, yeah. like being able to make, to write your own story, like use your own thoughts to paint that picture. Like yeah. it's, it's too often that we let other people influence how we paint. So I like that we can influence That's it ourselves. Beautiful. I like that kind of autonomy. It's wow. very special. There's, I, there's so much I want to talk about here. So I'm going <laughs> to try So let's start here. <laughs> okay. So, uh, oh my God, this is great. Thank you. Um, I really want to get to this idea that you mm-hmm. just said about, like having like an aesthetic experience of other people's thoughts. Cause I think it's brilliant, mm-hmm. but to get there, I want to start kind of with the thing you just ended with the blinks page kind of thing. So there's mm-hmm. this comic book that mm-hmm. I love. It's called Zot It's by Scott McCloud. He's a okay. brilliant cartoonist. Um, it's okay. one of like the greatest comic books of all time. Mm-hmm. Um, and in it, he has this character um, who's basically this kind of genius who replaces entire body with metal. He transformed his whole robot in mm-hmm. this desire to kind of, it's a very philosophical comic book, and it's kind of this. This is this act is a desire to like reach the most abstract, purest form of human life, consciousness, okay. cognition, right? Mm-hmm. And so, basically, there's this page where at the end of the um, of the story, this this character kind of breaks down. He has a psychotic break, mm. and he kind of we see like inside of his head, mm-hmm. and we see him um, kind of in this white space, mm-hmm. and he's like, I. I'm, I've escaped, like, the human world. I've entered, like, pure thought, right? I'm, I'm mm. like, now all around me is, like, kind of pure consciousness. Like, the, the, mm. the not, like, there's not a chair here. There's, like, the idea of the chair because I'm thinking it. And okay. the, 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 what I'm thinking is much more real than, you know, the physical object. Interesting. And, like, eventually, though, he realizes that as long as he's there, as long as he exists, mm-hmm. there's, like, something muddying up the waters. There's something covering up some white space like him mm-hmm. and so basically in his he erases himself he like oh. burns away his consciousness Ooh. and he says like now like, as he's doing it, he's like now i've reached like the purest form 
of mm, like of just consciousness of the consciousness like of like our having, yeah. our ability to like yeah like to our ability to think like there's a, without mm-hmm. these images clearing and and basically the point is that like the reader is now moving from reading a story and seeing these images that tell mm-hmm. him what's going on and they now see a blank space mm-hmm. a blank page and mm-hmm. they can now fill it in with whatever they want mm. and so it's the it's it's Scott McCloud saying like look like this is the purest form of the art yeah like it's all this journey to get to this blank space mm-hmm. where you now have complete control mm-hmm. right that's the kind of purest so is that kind of yeah. what you're getting at with this notion this like mm-hmm. you know surrounding yourself with these white walls etc cetera, mm-hmm. etc cetera? Yeah, definitely. I think that is a very poignant image, and it sounds like a very interesting story. And I definitely, I'm gonna get the name uh, yeah, from it because I, I, I need to know. I need it. To, yeah, <laughs> I think I need that in my yeah. life. Um, yeah, I think. I think that's a, a, exactly sums up everything that that I really yeah, okay, cool. was getting a point, getting across. Um, the thing is, though, I don't know. I don't know. I struggle with the idea of like erasing yourself Mm. from that narrative because I think so much of our existence as humans is based on our our physical, like our physical interaction with each other and with the world and our own consciousness with our own body. And I think like that's something that I adhere to really strong, very strongly because I think, we, we wouldn't have consciousness if we didn't have a physical brain. <laughs> you know yeah, what I mean? No, exactly. So, like, we're material beings. We are, yeah. And I know some people are like, oh, well, maybe we could exist as consciousness as outside of, outside mm. of our body. Like, exactly. I don't, I don't really subscribe to that. I, and the thing is, I love the physical world. Like, I like being a physical being. I yes. like that things are constantly being thrown at me that I have to interpret and move and grow mm, in my own that's, brain. That's awesome. Um, but I like having those white walls and the, like with myself in front of them as like an, as a good starting point and a good like blink slate. Yeah. To yeah. begin a starting mm-hmm, point. To begin. Like yeah. Or as a grounding time. So like if I'm out all day, like doing cool. these kinds of things, which, you know, take, take some energy exactly. and take some time and take thought and like growing is, uh, we're material energy. beings. That means we're finite. Yes, yeah. and having doing these things, these having these exchanges of energy are, I I mean it's it, it depletes your battery. So you gotta like take a step back. You have to ground so yourself, like a, and yeah, then you yeah. gotta come back to it, which we don't do enough. And personally, in my own like narrative, my own story, I'm taking more of that time right now. And I was thinking about like George Sarat and the, you know, the Sunday in the park with George. So it fit in very perfectly to this conversation. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I love that. I mean, I think it's like, um, what you, you've complicated this like story that I was giving and like, like made clear, like this story that you're giving and I Mm -hmm. like yours a lot more. So like, right. (laughs) So there's, um, Oh my God. If my listeners, the listeners like, don't be mad at me if I miss, miss, (laughs) miss, uh, miss sight this, but I, it's one of the American transcendentalists. I believe it's, Ralph Waldo Emerson. Mm. It might be Henry David Thoreau, but I think it's, it's I think it's Emerson. No <laughs> one, never no one yell at me. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. But, uh, um, so he has this image where he says he wants to be, uh, Oh my God, it might be white Woodman. I don't know. I think it's Emerson. <laughs> he wants to be a transparent eyeball, a transparent mm, eyeball yeah. surveying the land, right? Soaking it all in, but himself, nothing. He's empty. Mm. He's, he's, he's transparent, mm. but that's not what you want. You, you're giving almost the complete reverse mm-hmm. rather than, erasing the self so that you can kind of subsume everything Mm -hmm. you want to kind of for a moment erase everything 
so that you can give yourself the space to kind of, I don't know, like unfurl everything that's now has now been kind of caught up. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, that's exactly how I. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, that's cool. very. That's interesting. It is exactly the opposite, and I I really appreciate people who who want to do that and who have that that idea of erasing yourself and just observing. But I don't know. I've got way too many feels to yeah. be like, oh no, like I'm not gonna like think about how this made me feel or like how I'm not gonna like think about the energy moving around. Like I'm just very. Um, I'm very susceptible to like other people's emotions and other people's energies. And like, if something's off, like, like today, even something was off with someone. And I just like, I just brought up, I, I, I've just been feeling it all week, you know? And so finally today I was just sitting there and I was like, can we talk about this? Like, I, I can't, I can't quite place it, but there is something that has shifted in this energy and I want to talk about it. And we had like a very fruitful conversation that came from it. And, you know, now, now I feel like I can have that moment to sit in my white walls and I can process it. Exactly. You know, and, you know, and, and, and sort it out in my brain and help myself grow. But I never would have gotten there if I had been like, oh, well, I just want to observe like what you have to tell me. Exactly. So I don't know. Do you think that, do you think that idea of the transparent eyeball, do you think that makes you like more complacent or like... It doesn't, yeah. nec- you know, yeah, like yeah. that's the thing that I wonder. So what this transparent eyeball thing really, really does, and Emerson probably wouldn't like me saying this, but like it sums up like kind of the, the, the starting point of most philosophy like throughout history, mm-hmm. is particularly in the early modern era, which has been this idea that precisely like what kind of philosophical thought is, and I think philosophical thought is pretty broad. I count mm-hmm. most of our kind of relation to the world as philosophical. Mm-hmm. Um, but, um, but most of it, throughout history has been an attempt to kind of, yeah, like create a view from nowhere. The, 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 mm. um, the ultimate rational being when mm. in, in philosophy has throughout <laughs> history loved rational beings, but the ultimate yeah. rational being is able to completely erase their subjectivity, completely mm. erase their point of view, which is to say their precise location in the world, in the, in, in, in the exchanges, in the mm. kind of conceptual processes they're undergoing mm-hmm. and kind of be the right. So for Kant, for example, like, Mm-hmm. He thinks that our purest, we are like nothing more than the capacity for reason, right? Mm. This is like the kind of transcendental reduction, I guess Husserl will call it. But like, yeah, it's like this idea that like all this other stuff, it's noise, right? All of our, my, my, the, the feel of like the wind on my skin. Um, so like, like, yeah, let's, let's take an argument or like a mm-hmm. conversation with like a friend or a loved one, whatever, whatever. For like the history of philosophy, the right way to proceed in those kind of situations is yeah, to like burn away the palpitations in your heart mm. and the uh, the kind of goosebumps on the back of your neck as this person yells at you mm-hmm. and, um, you know, your frustration um, and, like, the let's say, like, your stomach is queasy because you ate, like, something oh, a greasy yeah. food and, like, that's affecting your emotions in the conversation. Mm-hmm. Philosopher would say, like, a, a Kantian would say, like, burn it all, that all away. You, your job as a rational being is to get to the facts of the matter, mm. right? And that's that's math. Right. That's that's pure. That's that's calculations that our mm-hmm. conscious mind. That's 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 job. Mm-hmm. But no, I think, and I think most people would think, as we've said, like we are we are embodied beings. We're material beings, mm-hmm. and it's foolish to try to like. Not only is it like a question of whether it's good or not, but it, we are not the transparent eyeball. Mm-hmm. We are physical beings, and mm-hmm. our physicality impacts 
all aspects of our life. Mm-hmm. So it's foolish to try to burn that away, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. yeah. So like, yeah, what would you think of it that? Is. Yeah. I really like having something in the middle, you know, like have between subjectivity and objectivity being like, this is how I feel. Let me explain it to you. Is it like, where does it fit in the bigger picture? Um, <laughs> like this, like this friend here, she, I, I got in this argument with someone else and she was like, get over yourself. <laughs> like, listen, like, she's like, think about this in context of your whole life. Yeah. Like, are you really going to let this bother you? And I was like, no, no, yeah. I'm not. Because that's right. When you start implementing those philosophical ideas of like, of the, of the rationale and the objectivity and where it fits in the bigger context of everything, I think it really calms you down and it really brings you to a space where you can fully express your emotions and maybe, ch- I don't want to say change them, but you can, you can kind of make them you can, more productive. You can relate to them. Yeah. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They're, they're connected. Right. Mm-hmm. Right. We are, we are, we, we have this capacity for reason. We have this capacity mm-hmm. for the kind of abstract thought, but we are also material and both coexist and mm-hmm. interact and work together. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right? And I always really appreciate my friends and family that are all like that, that, you know, can be so that, you know, they have a great mind for reasoning, but they also have this amazing capacity to feel and they, mm. they, they love it so much. But do you think someone who is, cause there's, there's like a weird, almost like, almost like a bell curve, right? There's like in the middle are people who are ob- objective and subjective. Right. And then you have like varying levels that kind of t- mm. peter off onto the sides. And there's that idea that if you are too logical and you don't have emotions, then like, then you're just kind of like a robot, right? Like that's all the way at the other side of the bell curve. But then between the middle and that side, there's people that are more prone to reason, but they have enough emotion where that reasoning kind of, kind of brings them down, you know, kind of makes them more depressed. So like as a philosopher, (laughs) like how, what's your idea about, too much, too much reasoning and too much logic versus how much, how much of the emotion you have to put yeah, into yeah, it yeah. so that you don't get like, you know how they say knowing too much makes you like yeah. depressed or okay, you know, yeah, and, yeah, like yeah. that kind of idea. Yeah. Like where, where, what's, where do you feel like you fall on that bell curve? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think, I think I want to get out of the, the notion that these are distinct in the first place. I want to mm. kind of, that's a very classical philosophy move is to say, actually this distinction is like not even a distinction. Okay. Um, we don't have to accept the idea that reason and emotion are two separate realms mm. that um, they, that they don't inform each other and that they don't stem from the same place. They both mm-hmm. stem, they all stem from us, mm-hmm. right? From our like kind of functional capacities in the world, our movement through the world. Mm-hmm. They're both ways for us to kind of, interact and cope with the world and the, the metric of their success is not like within them, but it's it within whether or not we succeed as we move through the world. But um, yeah, yeah, so I think, I think th- rather than seeing them as opposed, we can see mm-hmm. them as like deeply working together mm-hmm. as the same thing, as different ways of experiencing the world. And like then that. it becomes a matter of, yeah, like moving rather than saying we should be more this or more this, it asks what the situation calls for, mm-hmm. what's called for in the moment. Mm-hmm. Right. I like that. I like that, Nick. Thank you. I'm gonna, I'm gonna, 
I'm going to adopt a little bit of that. There in my we go. Life. Thank you. It was a pleasure Dude, talking to it you. It was so nice talking to you. All right. Yes. Well. <laughs> yeah.